Father, this evening, once again, we come to you, Father. We come to you because you are our Father, the overseer, the shepherd of our soul. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord. We come here to meet you. Everything else is secondary, Father. If we come here and we go without meeting you, without hearing from you, Lord, it's just a waste of time. I pray, Father, once again, as we look into your word, you will speak to us. You will teach us. You will teach us, Lord. Speak to us. Give us hearing ears, Father. Hearing ears. In this last of last days, we need ears that hear what the Spirit is saying. We do not want to be counted among those who drew back from the walk of faith about whom it is written, they fell away from faith. For that, we need ears that hear, O Father. For faith comes from hearing. Speak, Father, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We'll go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24 to 28. Remember the portion we looked on Sunday, we looked only at one, but we'll go back to it. I don't know why he said everywhere I tried teaching that I couldn't go beyond one verse. I tried teaching three days the pastors in the other country, only one verse. I tried on Sunday, only one verse. And now let's hope we can move to the second one today. Okay, Hebrews 11 is a record of, of faith, men and women through whom God lived. Okay, please understand what faith means. Faith means that when we walk by faith, it's the only time. When we walk by faith, it's the only time God lives through us. Okay? That's the only time God lives through us. When I walk inside, I live. Uh, demonic powers live through me. But the only way God can live through me, Christ can live, is through faith. So the entire Hebrews 11 will keep on repeating that narrative by, by faith, by faith, by faith. And we looked at verse 24, by faith, when Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated, but chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, rather than enjoy the, a certain translation will use the term, fleeting pleasures of sin for a while. He regarded the reproach or the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's wrath. He endured or persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover. And the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Like I said on Sunday, he's, he's, inc- he's, he's incredible compared to other people in the Old Testament because of the decisions, decisions he took and how he stuck to it till the very end. The first thing we saw was he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The second thing is that He chose affliction. The third thing says, he said no to the passing, fleeting pleasures of sin. Fourth says, he esteemed the reproach of Christ. 
Fifth says he turned his back to the treasures of Christ, uh, treasures of Egypt. And six says he forsook Egypt. And seventh decision he said he did not fear the wrath of the king. And the eighth thing says he endured. And the ninth thing he says he kept the Passover. Like we saw on Sunday, it's the ninth thing that really matters. That's what God did. If the ninth thing is not there, you can do all the eight and it makes no difference in your life. The ninth thing, that's where we begin. Okay? But we also saw the two reasons, the two reasons why he overcame. The first one that is mentioned is the reward. Reward is what is offered to a child. Every child needs a reward. If you eat fast, I'll give you ice cream. Okay, if you if you do your homework, a reward is what motivates a child. But you also need to realize you cannot be motivated by reward all your life when it comes to this eternal, eternal race because every reward can be duplicated in the temporal. Temporal. Every reward can be duplicated. And if you are not connected to the eternal, the temporary reward will take your eyes. So it is the second one. He saw him who was invisible. And honestly, I'm telling you, everywhere, the struggle actually is this. The struggle is that we do not see the invisible. Like, let's be, I'm not being hard on you, but I'm telling you the truth. The way worship was, the way you prepared for worship. Do you really, really think you would worship that way if you really realized Jesus would be here? Would you come with that kind of preparation? Really, would you come with that preparation to hear the word? Everything that's connected. I mean, you wouldn't go to your office tomorrow that way. You wouldn't go to your class if you knew there was an examination. Teacher was going to give an exam. Nobody would go that way in this world. That's that's how God's concern and his disappointment in the last book of the Bible, in the Old Testament, Malachi. He says, come on. He says, he said, I'm giving up on you. I'll start all over again with the church. Okay, he says, you don't really believe that I'm around. You don't really believe that I'm around. And you will realize this is, this is that will ultimately divide the overcomers. The overcomers are divided because they see him. They perceive his presence by faith. And ultimately that determines everything. When they fall to get up or to make their election sure. Election sure. It is that that determines. Okay? That's what divides faith and sight. Because like I said, faith comes from, but do you believe somebody speaks? Of course, now you're listening to me. You're listening to me. Okay? But that's not the point. The point is that, do we, do we really, really, really believe that there is somebody who speaks? So the questions we asked on Sunday is, what do you see and who do you see? And the first thing, when you really, really see him, like like I said on Sunday, everywhere in the world, everywhere in the world, doesn't matter what nation it is, what group it is, it's an identity crisis. It's an identity crisis, okay? Like some of the stuff we keep getting, including today, if you were to see it, it would terrify you what's happening even in this country. I'm telling you, the first target now are the Muslims, And once they have been brought down and beaten down into submission, the next target will be us. And I look at the church, and I know the church is not even anywhere ready. 
anywhere ready to stand up for what they believe. And I'm telling you, the only way you will stand up for what you believe is not because looking at the reward, it's by seeing him. You look at crisis. What is our identity as a nation, as a people? Every nation. You will see U.S., what is happening right now. It is like every eye is on the U.S. Congress because the Mueller is deposing before the Congress. And uh, anything you say in U.S., you're immediately termed a racist. Because you see your identity now in the terms of race. You see your identity in terms of religion. You see your identity in terms of your caste. You see your identity in terms of gender. It hasn't come in here. It is coming. It has already come into your offices, IT companies, offices. It's already come. What is your gender? Are you male? Are you female? Or are you switching between these two? It's your gender. You need to realize everything is now questioned because it's got to do with your identity, your sexuality. It's your identity. What is it? Are you heterosexual? Are you bisexual? Are you homosexual? People don't realize this this decision this young man at 40 made 4,000 years ago. It's the same decision with everybody is struggling with. What are you? Who are you? And that's why scripture says any man who is in Christ Jesus, all the old things have passed away. And everything is new. It's an absolutely, totally brand new identity. And I'm telling you, if you don't come back to 1 Corinthians 5.17 and begin there constantly, we will struggle to be part of Revelation chapter 21 where the new creation is being prepared for the new creation that is being formed over here. Because we are struggling still with your identity. Okay, and you look at each of our hearts. How do we really, really see ourselves? Okay, some are defined by their past. That's your identity. If you talk to them, it's always about what happened to them in the past. That's your identity. Or some are identified by your present. Or some are identified only by their future. Immediate future. I'm not talking about eternal future. Eternal future is this. And the question is, who are you? And what are you? And I'm telling you, we are moving into the last phase or what was foretold by Jesus in both Matthew 24 and Luke 21. You don't have to tell the signs of the last days. A whole set of signs are there. But theologian says when there is a convergence of all these signs, you know he is. To, even today, one of the mails I got was that his coming is so close. How prepared are we? So, so close. How can we be so blinded that we are not able to see he's absolutely so close that, you know, like I tell Pastor Vijay, Pastor Vijay, if I don't get a mail in three days or four days from one of the underground churches, I start panicking as he come and take them and we've been left behind. That's how it is when millions of them are crying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We are having a vacation. And whose cry is God going to hear is my question always. Even that's what I ask them. Whose cry is God going to answer? Their cry or our cry? Lord, I want this now. I want this now. I'm looking forward to this in year 2020. When every one of them in this, Lord, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Our entire preparation. Okay, so please remember, for 2,000 years, this has been the history of... And scripture says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13, If you... If you read Matthew 24, verse 13, somebody could read. 
he who endures till the end will be saved right he who endures till the end will be saved that's what he's giving an entire list of stuff that is happening in the last days and it will be happening last days began 2000 years ago but he says one of the reasons to be translated to the other side victorious you have to endure till the end and that's exactly what is written about moses not only did he make this eight decisions but he also endured till the very end he we have to endure it's not that one victory it's a continuous fighting and scripture says in hebrews 11:27 moses endured and that's the interesting he looked forward to his reward and he made a few decisions but when it came to enduring when it came to enduring you know what why did he endure because he saw him who was invisible let me talk about a mother who is depressed that's the kinds of calls you get every day including yesterday today mother who is depressed a mother who is suicidal okay a mother who is suicidal a mother who is depressed you know what even when she's so down depressed and wants to end it all then suddenly she looks at her baby and decides you know what i just can't do it i just need to go through this for this one sake okay now she's not looking at a reward not looking at a reward she's not looking at this child will grow up and get a job and take care she's not looking at any of this you see that for this sake what is visible i need to endure okay in moses case it is not the visible it is the invisible he saw him who was invisible and he endured and like we say god said i said before you life and death blessing and curses you choose and if you actually look with your carnal eyes every one of these eight choices looks like death but they are actually life every one of those choices he made are choices in the carnal that looks like as if he is choosing death but he was actually choosing life you see every day it is a choice and moses too is making choices and scripture says he made those choices by faith that's the key he did not make his choices by sight he made his choices by faith that's the key we can only make choice we are either making choices by sight or we are making choices by faith and how does faith come here here you know one thing i like about the the apostles after the resurrection after 50 days everything changed for them and what changed incredibly for them is not their ministry we think it's a ministry that changed you know before that with jesus they had incredible ministry they cast out demons they healed the sick all that they had that ministry this side they were doing it without jesus that's the only difference the message did not change before the message did not change after only thing that now they were doing it on their own and jesus was not with them that's the only difference everything was ministry did not change the 3 and 1/2 years of ministry with jesus and the ministry after jesus was kind of the similar what changed in their life what changed in their life was their word life and their prayer life that is what changed and this is my question to you and th- i'm asking a question which i asked for the last this whole month i was asking people why do you struggle to pray why don't you pray why don't we pray you know why we don't pray because we don't believe we will hear 
would you come ask for an appointment from me and say, Pastor, can I come to you at 10 o'clock and expect not me to speak? Would you come? No. First day you come, I don't say a word. Second day you come, I don't say a word. Third day, so what's the point going? He doesn't speak. You know, one of the reasons people don't pray is because they don't hear. They don't expect to hear in the first place. And they don't hear. On the other hand, let me ask you this question. You went into your prayer closet and you actually heard him. Would you leave your prayer closet? Would you leave your prayer closet? Would would anything else, anything else pull you out of that place? Or you read this word and he's speaking to you. Would you put this book down? How come people read novels and say, I could not put the book down and they struggle with this? Struggle with this. That's my question. Because these are fundamental questions to life. Do I hear when I pray? Do I meet him when I read? That's what changed for the apostles. That is what changed for the apostles. So that even when there is a crisis in the church, one of the things they say is that we will not leave this boat. We will not leave this boat. And it doesn't matter how young you are. Because age is irrelevant. Age is absolutely And you think 15 years you are too old to make a decision? 15 years. See, the word of God is living. It's absolutely true. It's living. And after that, the testimonies that came in, came in, came in, came in, came in, including the pastors and the elders who are giving, you know. The thing is that, the question is, even when you come to listen to the word or you're reading the word or you're entering into your prayer closet, the simple question is that, do you really believe there is a person called Jesus who speaks? Do you really believe? Do you really believe? That's the whole quite, whole point. That is how you know you have chosen him that is who is invisible. See, we quote from Hebrew, Deuteronomy chapter 8, that is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? We all know that. Okay? So God is talking about the living word. But what we don't understand is just before that scripture says, he led them into the wilderness, he humbled them, he Cost them to hunger. You know what God is actually saying? And uh, the book, writer of Isaiah also in Isaiah 58 will three, it's three, uh, 58, eight will, uh, three will say, we afflicted our soul by fasting. Do you understand why God led them into the wilderness? And actually caused them to hunger so that they could hear his voice. And the reason they did not hear his voice was they were not interested in hearing his voice. The reason, like I told on Saturday to the pastors, the new covenant and there also in the new covenant, our discipline is fasting, not feasting. We fast because we want to hear. And fasting enables, when you write fast with a real motive, it really, really enables you to hear his voice. Enables you to hear your voice. Enable, enables you to see. Otherwise, you know what? I tell my wife always, I tell her my wife. I'm glad they're doing good. I'm glad that 12 of them are in college. And I said, at the end of the day, they don't cross over to the other side. The entire ministry is a failure. There's no point in this. Because the whole purpose of the gospel of the kingdom is to get people into the kingdom. People into the kingdom. Okay? Like, you can be extremely good. Like, just now we heard, no? Jeff studied. He worked hard. He cleared the IIT. He got into IIT Mumbai. And the first text he got is that I found the Bible study group there. Okay? 
Those are the kinds of things we are looking for. Is, is anybody there with him? No. He's in the hostel. He's in IIT Mumbai to get into IIT and Mumbai. These ones are the, the, the best. And a young boy also made a decision. I go in over there. I'm finding a Bible study. Now he has to endure those four years in the Bible study and in the college. But he's made a right decision. Right decision. Okay, that's my question. When you are young and when you have the freedom, how do you make your choices? How do you make your choice? Are we making choices by faith? Choices by faith. Where do you see your identity? Do you see your identity here? Or do you see identity over there? Do you see your citizenship over here? Or do you see your citizenship on the other side? How do you see yourself? My question to people is, how long will you take to make up your mind? To decide, you know what? How long? Like, that's one of the reasons I tell Pastor Vijay is that I like going on missions is because you you are able to see how quickly people make decisions. Because all they did not hear was the word. The words were shallow, milk, watered down milk. They never really heard the word. They revel. And once they hear the word, you will see the desperation with which they make decisions. Which decisions, like uh, Sami has been given the, the, the recordings and already sent four, five hours yesterday. They already finished and they're asking for the next one. And they're all young people. I'm talking about the youth. I'm not talking about the older ones. Okay. And they said, we will listen over and over and over and over and over. And I was telling mom, I had telling my, I said, you know what? The text I'm getting is so, it's so heartbreaking because they are writing from there and ask, can you become our spiritual father? Can you ask? Because they are sheep without shepherds. They are lost children. Literally lost children. Okay. And my question to you is that, do we hear? Do we see? And when we hear a little, are we eager to hear even more? Even more. Literally what Moses is doing, he's saying, I care two hoods for what this world can give me. I care two hoods. I don't care for anything in this world. I've seen him and I want him. You know, I see him and I want him. My question to you is, when are we going to make these decisions in life? How long will we take? Because either you are gripped by fear. And scripture says one of the signs of the last days is that people's hearts will fail because of fear. Fear grips. And fearful people can never make a decision. So first God helps you to overcome. But let's look at the next one. Scripture says, I have chosen affliction. I have chosen. He chose affliction with a set of people. Chose affliction. Okay. What does it mean to choose affliction? What does it mean? Turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 15 to 16. I think we touched it on Sunday. Acts chapter 9, verse 15 to 16. This is God speaking to Ananias. He's telling Ananias, go and minister to Saul of Tarsus. He's in that street called Straight and uh, minister to him. But read 15 and 16. Yeah, somebody could read it. But the Lord said to him, hmm? I don't think God showed this to any of his apostles except him. I don't think any of the other apostles were shown in advance what they're going to suffer for his namesake. But this man in the third day is shown this. 
I'm telling you in the Bible, there are people who stun me. I would think, like, when I was saved, forget the third day, third month, third year, or 30th year. Can you and I be really be shown? We would turn tail and run for our life if we were shown these things. He was shown. He was shown. And you might think that he was shown and he chose. He didn't turn back. He chose. That's why every town he went, he was not worried about it. He was already shown. This is what. That's when Agabus the prophet came and tied his hands. And this is, he said, yeah, I know it. I know it. Beginning itself, all these things were told. And I have chosen. I have not only chosen, he is invisible. I have also chosen affliction. For his name's sake, I have chosen. Okay, because you cannot draw back. I really see this are coming upon this country. Really, really see this coming upon this country. And I get those WhatsApp pictures and they are really, really, really upsets you as a citizen. And okay, because you look at them, all who are being tortured and tormented are poor guys, Muslims, and they don't have uh, faiths to stand. Like the, the WhatsApp I got is today, a guy tied up onto a tree, his neck, everything, and is being beaten. Just shout, Jai Sri Ram. Okay? being beaten. And this is all happening in North India. Okay? North India. And we were praying they should not break into South, but it looks like they broke into South. Okay? I'm telling you. Okay? We are not exempt from any of these things. My my question to you, to myself, and to each one of you, if such a point comes, what will you shout? What will you shout? Why were the first century Christians all were killed? Because they just simply refused to say, Caesar is Lord. This is Christ is Lord. Caesar is king, but Caesar is not Lord. Caesar is king. That is that. He accepts his king, but he's not the Lord of my life. The Lord of my life, I only know one person. I know it is, it is Christ. My question to us, the whole point is to prepare a church who will, every church who will, who will endure this, will endure this. And scripture says it is by personally making little choices of affliction. And one of the choices you make is you choose fasting as a way to afflict your soul. You choose fasting as a way to afflict your soul because that gives you strength. And you choose prayer because prayer is isolating yourself from the world. You choose prayer. You choose studying the word. This is all basically a form of affliction for the flesh. Choose. And you have to make the choices. Everybody, because everybody has only 24 hours and everybody is trying to uncle except for brother Banu over here. None of us are retired. So everybody has only a set of time within which you have to negotiate. And where will you negotiate? There are only two places you can negotiate. Your sleeping time and your eating time. Am I right? These are the only things you have to negotiate. And when you choose to sleep less, to spend time more with God, you have already afflicted your soul. And God sees it. God sees it. In three days, God is able to answer Saul. And God himself gives the answer because he says, I see him praying. Why didn't after so many, three and a half years of walking with Jesus, Jesus never said, I see Peter praying. He never said, I see John praying. Actually, he said, couldn't you sit up and pray with me for half an hour? You are sleeping. You are sleeping. He never said they were praying. But he is able to say, Saul is praying. Now, I'm trying to make it practical. I'm trying to make it practical because everybody works in this 24-hour timeline. And in these 24 hours, where can we negotiate? Young people, it is always games. Food, I would not recommend because you need to go to college, work hard. So unless you're used to it, okay, 
So I will always say there is games. But you have to always look at and ask yourself, am I going to be a sportsman in heaven? Or I'm playing for exercise. And if I'm playing for exercise, do I need to play for two hours? Or do I need to play for half an hour? What is the purpose of me playing? Is it entertainment? Okay, I, I don't know who said it. Was it C.S. C.S. Lewis or one of, no, one of the other greats that entertainment is the devil substitute for the Lord's joy. Entertainment is the Lord's substitute for the Lord's joy. The kingdom of God gives joy. The devil gives entertainment. You have noticed in churches, unless they are entertained, unless they are entertained, they struggle. Unless they are entertained, they struggle. And we have to ask ourselves, do we have to be entertained? I know why you struggle is we refuse to entertain in the church. Otherwise, they have dancers and choreo and drama and music and like It's all entertainment. It's not worship. It's not worship. It's all entertainment. And we need to realize entertainment is the devil's substitute to God's joy. And God's joy who have joy. I think, uh, let me think. Second uh, Corinthians 8.4. Let me, or 7.4. 7-4, 2 Corinthians 7-4. Look at what uh, Paul is saying. Yeah. In all, yeah. Let's see what this man is saying. In all my affliction, I'm overflowing with joy. I'm overflowing with joy. All my affliction. You look at First Thessalonians. Let me find that. Chapter 1 and verse 6. This is to a church. And actually Paul puts Berea ahead of Thessalonia. But look at Thessalonia and chapter 1 verse 6. Yeah. And you became imitators of us. You became imitators of us. And of the Lord. And of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction. Much affliction. With joy in the, they receive the word in much affliction. These are all Gentile cities. And Gentiles are coming to the Lord. And they'll hear the word and they receive it. The minute they receive it, they know trouble has started in their life, in their family, in their community. And they're saying they don't receive the word with great affliction. And they imitated his life. They imitated, I mean to imitate Paul's life. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. So scripture is telling us something very, very serious. Why I'm telling you is that everywhere I go, I expect one or two young people to take a stand and say, you know what, I will be that person. I will be that person. I will be that person. I am going to be that person. I don't care where others mock me, they ridicule me. Because I know, even among you in this, I'm talking about all the young boys sitting in the boys' home and all the girls sitting in the girls' home. One of you decide to be radical, Jesus, the rest of you will mock him. The rest of you will mock him. You will start pulling his legs. You will start mocking him. You will start ridiculing. And the same thing. Don't show off. Don't. We also all go to the same church. Don't show off. Okay, don't. You will start mocking him. You will start ridiculing. But you have to take your stand. One of you. The LTD ministries have to be successful. Out of that 30 kids, one of them stands up and says, you know what? I will be that person. And I'm willing to go through it here. 
outside, in my college, in my job place, I will be that person. That's when LGD becomes successful. That's when GTC becomes successful. One person, two people stand up and say, you know what, I saw him and I choose. For him, I choose this. For him, I choose this. For him, I choose this. And that becomes your choice. And there is a God who sees that choice because he's not has never chosen people outside. Go to Isaiah 48 and verse 10. 48 and verse 10. Got it? See, I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. If you are not in the furnace of affliction, you're not being chosen. Please understand this. Understand scripture. Don't go by airwaves and TV waves. Go by scripture. Everybody chosen by God is chosen in the furnace of affliction. Why? Like you buy, we have all these cars out there. We have all these cars, you know. Every car, every model, when it is finally released in the market, they have to go through what is called incredible stress tests. Stress tests. They have to go through that because of the safety of the passenger who will buy it and drive it one day. The kind of tests crash and you know they will put weights from the top. They will drive it remotely and hit it to see, see when it goes out into the market what happens because to find out one of the things they find out during those tests is, where are the weaknesses of this car? You will only understand the weaknesses of car or any vehicle only when it is put through the stress test. And suddenly, otherwise what will happen? Even after all the tests, they miss something, suddenly you will see, you know, BMW is calling 500,000 cars back from the market. Ford is withdrawing 5 million cars. Why? Because something escaped their stress test. And one driver went out and that thing failed and immediately they have to call back everything because lives of people. So what is the purpose of a stress test is so that you identify the weakness of that product. Why does God put us in affliction? So that we know our weaknesses. That's the purpose. We know our weaknesses. Weakness, like I was sharing yesterday and last week, no? We talk about, Paul says, I fought this good fight, right? So there is a fight. But do you know your battleground? That's what he says, I'm not fighting aimlessly. You are in a battle. Good, you have your weapon. Fantastic. But, but do you know your battleground? For some mothers, some wives, some mothers, your battleground is only your home. That's your battleground. If you win that battle over there and I manage to get your husband across on the other side, you get your crown because that was your battleground. How to come through this messy situation without losing your peace, without being kind, without becoming more and more meek, that was your battleground. For 40 years for Moses' battleground to test out his weakness was Jethro's house. Stay in your father-in-law's house. Stay, stay with a very bossy wife who will not allow your sons to be circumcised. Walk in the heat of the day, every day, monotonous routine, looking after sheep. Because what you know, I'm putting you through the stress test. 40 years to see how you will come out, whether you can be called to lead Israel out of Egypt. That was his stress test. 40 years. Because he was called to something greater. 
We are being called to something greater than Moses or Joseph. Because scripture says the meek shall inherit the earth. And the question is, we all think we are meek until we get into the furnace. And then we squeak. Okay. So you, each one has to know what is your battleground and only when you are put through the stress, you will really realize, you know what? This is my weakness. This is my weakness. Let's see, before it happens, we are like Peter. Even everybody abandons you. I will not. Until he was put through the test. And God allowed him alone to be put through three stress tests. And he failed so miserably in all three. And he goes out and he weeps. Because you realize, actually when this test came, he realized he had fallen. And that too before a servant girl also. And you know, he reverted back to his old nature, everything. How terribly he fell. The question is, we all are like Jesus or like Peter. We'll say, you know, Lord, let persecution come. Even if the whole GTC leaves, I will not. I will be there for you. And then you realize you're the first to run. First to run and first to run so badly. So God says, you know what? Don't worry about that. First, are you passing the stress test in your group? You're 10 of you living in a house. Are you able to stand there with those you know? Are you able to? Daniel, can you stand with those princes who came from Judah? They're all your colleagues. You travel for so many months together from Jerusalem to Babylon. And you all grew up together. Probably all went to the same synagogue, same temple, whatever you all went. Now you are all over here. You're going to take a stress has come. You're going to take a decision. Can you stand alone with a familiar group? And the unfamiliar. Unfamiliar group doesn't understand your religion because there are princes brought from different countries. And Judah is one of it. But they understand why you are taking the decision. I can you handle it. Bible is very silent what he went through for three years. For three years in that hostel. They must have mocked him. The results came only three years later. Okay, please don't think that before the results came, they all said, wow, what a decision you made. No, they would have mocked him. They would have scorned him. They would have tried all kind of things, typical things we people do. If somebody says, I don't eat meat, then they will try to add meat into the, hide it in their rice, you know, pour beef broth into their water, all kind of stuff they do. No, they do. In hostels, they do. They put, uh, instead of shaving cream, they put toothpaste. You think Daniel didn't go through any of these things? Their own, their own terms, their own times, whatever they could do. But he came through those stress tests. He came through those stress tests. He stood alone and three more friends stood up for him. My question to you is that if God puts us through those tests, okay, do we know our weakness? When he puts a stress in our families, do we identify our weakness or do we look at like Adam and say, it's because of her that I fell? And God's saying, no, you fell because you're weak. It's got nothing to do with her. It had nothing to do with it. And actually he's more at fault than her because scripture says he was not deceived. She was deceived. So you have an excuse, but he was not deceived. That's what God is talking about. Can we be introduced to a higher call and a higher purpose or will we break down? Let me ask you this question. Would Daniel have become a satrap, top among all the satraps, the governors of Babylon, if he had failed the food test? Would he have? 
would Joseph ever become the prime minister in spite of all the prophecies over him, dreams, prophecy, all that is true. But to be fulfilled, there are conditions to be met. Not that God's word is false and God's word will go void. The question is, if he had failed in Potiphar's palace under that stress he had broken, would we ever hear about Joseph? If he had broken under pressure in the prison, would you have ever heard about Joseph? And if, on the other he passed all that, and then when he received power, and the first thing that is written about him is that, bring Potiphar and his wife before me. Would the narrative continue? No. When his brothers came over there, he said, put the whole lot of them in prison. I want to teach them what it is to be, and sell them in the market tomorrow. Would we have a narrative of Joseph? No. You need to realize the stress test never entered for him. Never entered for him. Never entered for him. And God is actually testing him. Ultimately, when his father dies and his brothers are upset and afraid, he calls them and that's when he says this. Because it's a question for him too. Are you being kind to your brothers because your father is alive? Or now that your father is dead, what will you do? And you realize whether my father is alive or my father is dead, my nature doesn't change. I am the person God wanted me to be. The question is, if we don't go through stress test one, like let us say, the first stress test of a car, it's its bumper. The first day the bumper breaks into two pieces, are you going to test the car with anything else? No. Let's leave the car over there, fix the bumper first. The problem is, believers, first crash that the bumper has gone into 15 pieces, God says, fix it. Let's fix it. Okay, I'm telling you honestly what I'm told everywhere. As long as you don't fa- pass your food test. What test? Food. They're not going to go into other tests. They're not going to go into the other tests because that is the test where you are caught. That is the test where you are caught. Where you will be destroyed is over there. And the new covenant is absolutely different from the old covenant. In the new covenant... One of the primary, the fundamental disciplines of an overcoming believer is he had a lifetime of discipline of fasting. And you have to begin there. That's where Daniel began. And you go through the Bible, he began there, and every time he has an issue with not understanding the word of God, he goes on, let me ask you, you read the Bible, you did not understand the Bible, who will go on a 21-day fast to understand? Will anybody go on a 21-day fast? That's what he did. We are on a 21-day fast because he got a dream and he didn't understand it. You get a dream, you don't under, you don't fast, you trouble us. Pastor, I got this dream. Do you really explain what it is? And usually we say, plead the blood of Jesus next time and go to sleep. That dream won't come back. <laughs> are you getting it? I don't know what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to get someone to get into your prayer closet and say, Lord, if you are real, speak to me. And I'm going to keep on coming back into that prayer closet and going to disturb you until you speak to me. I know I am a student. I know I cannot shut myself in, but I know I can come and disturb you every day. And one day you're going to speak to me because I believe like this is real. This God is real. If you read Psalm 4 and verse 1 in KJV, okay, read it in KJV, King James Version, Psalm 4 and verse 1. Yes. You have enlarged me in my affliction. 
No, the psalmist says, you enlarged me in my affliction. But you will only see that in your spirit. You don't see it outwardly. This, that's why I say you have to have eyes of faith and have to be able to see the invisible. If you see in the visible, you will not, you will not be able to say like the psalmist or like David or like Joseph. You have enlarged me. Enlarged me in the midst of my affliction. You have, and he's seeing something inside. What is enlargement here? It, is it mean carnal material enlargement? No. That you don't need all this. You don't need distress and affliction for that. You can get it different ways in the world. It is talking about something spiritual. You have enlarged me. You know? Unless you have this taste for God. Unless you have this. I mean, he says, you know, eyes have been seen. It says, ears have been heard. So eyes can see, ears can hear. This is spiritual. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. No? When are we going to, when are we going to exercise our spiritual senses and really find, you know, find. And here he's also able to see that, that anyone who chooses to walk with God, he really believes everything is in God's hands. Isn't that what, see, Job had a theology, Job's wife had a theology. These theologies did not meet. They had two different, different, in one house, husband and wife, two different theology. One was Republican, the other was Democrat. Okay? <laughs> okay, they were married to each other. This is what Job, uh, Job's wife said. Curse God and die. And his answer to her theology is that, can we only receive good from God and not evil? In her theology, that if God is with you, only prosper outwardly. In his theology, it is not necessarily that way. It is not necessarily that way. God is in. So ultimately good will come out. But how he chooses to do that, it is his. Sovereignty is his. It is his. And if only if you are able to see the invisible, you are able to go through those terrible times. And I believe Joseph saw. He was able to saw, see. I don't know how many years he was in Potiphar's palace. I believe maybe a couple of years of 13 years. In 13 years, think about it. If he was three years in the palace, then he was 10 years in the prison. And it's called a dungeon. In the dungeon. If he was three years in the palace, then he was 10 years in the prison. If he was five years in the palace, he was eight years in the prison. Eight years in the prison. Ask for the question, modern day example. How did Richard Wombrand come out of 14 years of isolation in the prison? Nobody to talk. Nobody to talk. All you can hear is the next cell wall and passing the gospel. First create a code, then pass the gospel on the wall. And all you hear is the speaker in your room which keeps on repeating, God is dead, 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 God is dead. And then you come out stronger than ever before. Do you believe this God is real? How are you going to believe this God is real unless you test him out? And where is the place you can test him out? Here you can hear. That's one thing. But you personally have to encounter. You personally have to encounter. If you don't personally encounter God, because this is a new covenant God, it's not an old covenant God, 600,000 men, women, children left, of which that men... 
5,99,998 saw the reward. 97 saw the reward. But as soon as they saw that they didn't need to really fight to get this reward, they were satisfied to be on this side. Like you know, all in the class, how many of you are have not reached class 12? Okay, you haven't reached class 12. If you were to told, told, you know what? If you go to IIT and you finish IIT, your starting pay package could be anywhere between 20 lakhs to 15 crores. Wow, really? Yes. Then you are told what it will take you to first get into IIT. You'll say it's not worth it. <laughs> Forget it. I'll stick to a Pune's job is also okay. I don't want to. Because you realize to get in over there, there is so much affliction and so much hard work. It demands so much from you to get it. Then finishing there is another thing. Another thing. Finishing is another thing. So you realize, you know what? It's not worth it. That's what happened to the children of Israel. The children of Israel only saw the reward. And all you hear today being preached are the rewards of faith and not the person of faith. And every one of them died on this side. Died, died on this side. That's why I will not preach to you the rewards of faith. I'll preach to you the person of faith. Because you want to go to the other side. Only three of the first generation went over to the other side. Joshua, Caleb and Moses later in glory. These three, because they saw him who was invisible. And my thing to you is that this is the best time of your life. And the best time of your life, who do you think deserves it? Let's go back and see what the wise fool said. His name is Solomon. The wisest fool ever who lived. Okay? Listen to exactly what he says. In his old age, he realizes his folly. So he has an incredible piece of advice for us. Let me read you in a simple translation. It is found in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. Okay? Listen to what he says. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, the clouds return after the rain, the keepers of the house tremble, strong men stoop, the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the streets are closed, the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and the dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred, then man goes to his eternal home. He says, remember him in the days of your youth. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about his personal tragedy and not the success of his father. The success of his father was in his old days. He didn't say anything like that. He was more excited in his old days. Because the book of says he fulfilled his God's creation in his age. It talks about Moses in Deuteronomy 34.7. That when he died his eyes were as sharp. And his hearing and his strength was not consumed. Because you know what? These were people who decided to serve the Lord in the days of the youth. They encountered God when they were young. So you know what? They pursued him all the days of this life. This guy never encountered God that way. You know why he did not encounter? Because his father protected him and he had no affliction in his life. He never had affliction in his life. How you experience God in affliction? 
is different from how we got experience god in prosperity but we don't have to go af- we, we don't have to wait for affliction to come scripture says you can choose you can choose and i will tell you there is a choice you make scripture says he chose moses chose affliction you decide to stand alone first in that place okay i will tell boys home girls home us choose to stand alone if you need to stand alone daniel stood alone three joint hundreds may have been there they chose to stand alone joseph had 10 elder brothers he chose to stand alone in his house and therefore scripture says his brothers hated him and they would not even speak to him not even speak to him. he chose to stand alone in his house a little later he sold and he's standing to choose alone in potiphar's house a little later he's standing to choose alone in the prison he had no come daniel at least had company had company three joseph had no company anywhere the thing is that it's your choice each one has to choose okay now what is interesting about daniel's three friends is that they made a choice we will not bow yes listen 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 okay even if you're looking that side let's look this side eyes and ears okay eyes and ears eyes and ears they said if our god wants he can save us if god doesn't want us also we have made our decision we will not question the ability or the sovereignty of god both you need to have not just believe in god's ability god can do everything even the devil believes that so if you believe in the ability of god you have in progress beyond the devil you have to believe in the sovereignty of god and they believed in the sovereignty of god and just think about it when they were tied when they were tied with ropes before they were thrown in god could have intervened and said i already see their decision i see their their they have taken a stand for me i'm going to give them supernatural strength like samson they will just move and the ropes will be broken and the king will know oh by god their god is intervening right he could have stopped there right or he could have stopped before they were thrown into the fire he didn't do any of that did he manifest himself before at any of those points when did he manifest in the furnace of affliction it is in the furnace of affliction they experienced the fourth one not before not before okay where is it is written in entire joseph's life that god was with him at his house as prime minister no where in potiphar's house and in the it was in the furnace of affliction when he chose to stand god also revealed himself i'm not saying that if you're going through affliction you will experience god but you need to stand with god in that affliction say you know lord i am not going to deny you here that's when you experience but scripture says here he chose he chose let's look at what jesus says john chapter 15 verse 18 to 21 John 15 verses 18 to 21. Let's go through scripture. Yeah. 18 to 20. Yeah, please read. If the world hates you. If the world hates you. Know that it has hated me before it has hated you. For me the question is that the world doesn't hate me that means they don't uh, I'm with them. 
I am with them. If the world does not hate you, I am with them. That means I am just covering. I have two lives. I am one in the world and one in church. The world doesn't hate me because I am just like them. The scripture never says throughout this thing that the satraps were going after all the sons of Judah. It never said that. It said they went after Daniel. Sent after Daniel. I'm not saying you need to go and ask for trouble. I'm not saying that too. You don't have to. You just have to stand. Trouble will come looking for you. Okay. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do. And be very gentle about it. When trouble comes, don't become self-righteous and fight and cut and all that kind of things. No, we don't. And read verse 1921. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Yes. I chose you out of the world. Yes. That's what happened to Moses. He was chosen out of the world. The minute he knew he was chosen out of the world, he said, I'm not the Pharaoh's daughter's son. Because that's the world. That's not the world. That's not. I'm not that. And then? Therefore the world. That's why they hated Moses. That's why they hated Moses. And poor fellow was caught in a such, such a trap that the Egyptians hated him and the Israelites hated him. Only God loved him. Even though he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God, that was his choice. He was not doing it hoping the people would love him. He was looking at him who had called him. Okay, don't think that you have an t- incredible testimony in the world where they say they hate you and you find a church and the church will love you. They will say you are bringing trouble to the church too. Why are you bringing your trouble into the church? Exactly that will say. Isn't that what they told Moses when he went and said the God of Israel and the king got angry and said now tomorrow onwards make bricks, no straw. And immediately they all rebelled and said he's brought more trouble for us. More trouble for us. More trouble for us. How do you react? You know, imagine you belong to a church and you stand up for God in your school, in your college, in your workplace, and next day your church is attacked. Do you think the pastor is going to be happy with you? Why did you bring your trouble here? And he stood alone for the next 80 years. He stood alone. He stood alone. And that's what the Bible is talking about. Now, verse 21, we read 21. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than the master. They will also persecute you. Yeah. Yes, Mahendra. You are going to Punjab where more Christians are persecuted because Gurdaspur and Firozpur and all have a huge Christian population. But remember the Dalit Punjabis who got saved. Okay, please remember, you need to understand India, that's one state alone where in the north, the ruling party has not been able to break through. Okay, you understand politics also, because you're going to North India. Okay, so you go with this in your heart, and you will suddenly realize what is going to happen. My question to you all is that you have heard so much. If you hadn't heard, like at your age, I knew nothing. I didn't even read my Bible. So scripture says, seasons of ignorance God overlooks. But the same standard is not applied to you. You have heard so much. You have learned so much. You have been fed so much. So so much will be demanded from you. Will be demanded from you. That's how it works. That is how it works. You have heard so much. You have heard so much. And God will demand that from you. 
And that's what scripture is talking about. In the midst of it all. You know, Jesus in the midst of it all, he never lost his purpose. You can go through, what happens with affliction is, when you go through affliction, even it is God-ordained affliction, you can lose your purpose. You can miss your purpose. It's too much for me to bear. It's too much for me to bear. You miss your purpose. Okay? You are, you are given, afflictions can drive us to despair and depression. Please don't ever think all in the underground churches in these years, over the years, 2000 years, have come out purified. Many of them went mad. They went mad. They went, they went crazy. They couldn't handle it anymore. They were, couldn't handle it anymore. It can bring discouragement, depression, and death. And death. Okay? If you look at Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12, listen to what it is saying. But we have this treasure mm. in jars of clay okay. to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Okay. It's saying that when you're going through this, please remember it is because of Him. That your eyes are on him. Your eyes are not on anybody else. And then the next line. We are afflicted in every way. We are afflicted in every way. But not crushed. crushed. The outer jar is being afflicted, being crushed. But the inner treasure cannot be crushed. Christ cannot be crushed. Then. Perplexed. Perplexed. But not not in despair. Absolutely confused. You don't know which way to turn. But inside there is no desperation. You see. It does not mean the believer is not confused. Confusion and despair are two things. You don't know what decision to make tomorrow. But you are at inside, you are still. You are not desperate. There is no despair. You are confused. Please don't ever think that because you are a believer and walking with God and you got a powerful prayer life and a word life, you know everything what is going to happen, everything you know what to do. No, you don't know. You don't know. You don't even know about tomorrow. Even Jesus did not know about tomorrow when he came on. So he had to get up in the morning and pray what he had to do that day. But he was never in despair. You are confused. But you are not in despair. And then? Persecuted. persecuted, But not forsaken. forsaken. You are persecuted. But deep inside you also know that he is there with you. You are not forsaken. God is with you. And then? Struck Struck down. But not destroyed. Your body is struck down. You may be even killed. But you cannot be destroyed. Because of the person. Okay. This is the stress test I'm talking about. The affliction test it is talking about. That through it all. Never lose sight of your eternal purpose. Because when affliction comes. Many compromise. Many compromise. Some give up. Some give up. Some turn bitter. Bitter. Okay, if you look at the book of Ruth when it begins, you don't have to go there. You have three widows. Three widows. Right? Three widows, all three of them have no children. So everybody's three different models, three cards. Okay, one called uh, Orpha, one called Naomi, that's an older model. Okay? And two young models, one called Ruth. Everybody's put put through the same stress. And you will see one quits and goes back. That is Orpha. She quits. One turns bitter. 
once stayed the course and is redeemed. Three people going through the same stress test and end up in three different places. Only one is redeemed. That's why scripture keeps on telling us, look to Jesus. You know, if you, when I was showing pastors, like you said, you go through Hebrews 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, and then you go all the way. By the time you come to, if I'm right, 11.35, it's narrative splits. The women got their dead back to life, and then it splits and says others did not. And after that, it is a very tragic description of what happened to people of faith. For me, that's a dividing line between the old and the new covenant. And I believe most of what is written before is about the old covenant people. And everything that is tragic written about is about the new covenant people. There they had to get it back because they are fighting for a reward that is earthly. Here we have to get nothing back because we are fighting for a reward that is heavenly. And that narrative when you look at it and you have to realize that Lord, in this narrative, even in a tiny fraction am I going through this. I'm not talking about affliction because of sin. I'm not even talking about that. That's also an affliction, but that is not an affliction that is of God. God says, repent, that's over. We're talking about an affliction because of the choices you made for God, to be with God. To be with God. Choices you make to be with God. No, it's a choices at your age you make. When I made a first year degree, like I said, in a week I lost all my friends. I lost my friends. Till that week, I ridiculed the others who were always walking with this book. I can still remember their names. Vergis <laughs> Nainan, George Cora, and uh, one more was there, three of them. And the 30 rest, 27 of us was one gang and we ridiculed them. We mocked them. They mocked them. All kind of thing. When we saw them coming, we ran just to humiliate them. Run away from them. The preachers are coming. All we shut the bathroom doors and we, we, I mean, the other ones really harassed them. Really harassed them. You can harass in a hostel in so many different ways because there are only six bathrooms and you can always keep them occupied. All kind of stuff you did. The thing is that once I accepted the Lord, I became the fourth one. I joined from here to there. From here to there. And for them, it was a big betrayal. These guys were never involved in this. I was totally involved on this side. Involved more than them. Then one day, you decide to go over the other side. And you know what? And you realize, you choose this path. You're not going to have great, so many friends. You're going to have very few friends in life. And that's something which as young people you have to choose. I don't think Joseph had any friends in the palace, Potiphar's palace. And I believe that Potiphar's wife came and said this Hebrew and this, many of them have said, we always thought this goody-goody boy, there was something wrong with him. My question to you is that if that older woman cast eye on him, what about the maidservants? But she said he's good looking, he's handsome, good looking dude. And the mistress went after him. What about all the other maids? What was happening over there? Think. So the question is this. If you look at Jesus, if you, if you turn to, uh, Luke 22. 
and verse 63 to 65. Now the affliction he went through for 33 and a half years is reaching a crescendo, okay? Is reaching the top, yeah. Okay, now he, it's re- actually reaching the crescent. So far, God hasn't allowed anybody to touch his son. He went through all kind of emotional, social boycott, affliction. Now God is moving him to the next level. From there, he says, okay, you can put your hands on my son. Okay, next level of affliction is coming. But if you look at him, if you turn to uh, Luke 23, verses 8 to 11, Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he had, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with the soldiers treated, treated, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. You see, through it all, do you see that? Through it all, he's never losing sight of purpose. Herod is questioning him. If he answers, he could get out. If he answers, life will become easy. Life will become easy. But if he does that, he's, the affliction that is happening to him, he's compromising to that. And he refuses to even to open his mouth. See, this is what the father prepared him for to attack. The whole thing is that, why I say this is that, if you are not prepared now in small, 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 small things, when actually the day and the hour comes, you will not be ready. You will buckle under pressure. You will just buckle under pressure and you will go. And that's how the father prepared him. And he never loses sight of purpose. Through it all, he never loses. You turn to John chapter 18 and verse 37. John 18 and verse 37. See, even there, after that, all that beating, everything, when he's standing before Pilate, he is not losing sight of his purpose. So this is my purpose. My purpose is to bear witness to the truth. See, this is how you know how you are coming through affliction. Naomi turned bitter. Orpha turned back. Ruth stood there. But here you look at it is that he has chosen us in the furnace of affliction. But in the affliction, what are we standing for? What are we standing for? What are we standing for? That's the question. Because affliction can drive you to despair. It can make you totally discouraged. You can. A lot of people in affliction have committed suicide. You look at the average rate of suicide outside and inside the prison. You look at the highest rate of suicides in U.S., a particular group, one of the highest rates of suicides is the American soldiers who come back from Iraq and Afghanistan. They kill themselves. 
because they couldn't handle the pressure when they came over here. Because one is that the pressure you handle over here, second you come over here, the liberal youth mock them. They thought they were fighting for their country, but when they come here, when they are mocked, and they cannot handle it, handle the pressure at all. And they kill themselves. They kill themselves. Because they are not able to handle. And we also realize we are in another kind of a battle. But what are we battling for? Who are we battling for? What did we see? What did we see? If it's only the reward we saw, it's easy to give up. Like if you are in a marriage and you are absolutely messed up in a marriage, what do you see? If you only saw a peaceful marriage, that was the reward of marriage, then it's easy to give up. But if you realize this is my battleground and I'm seeing him who is invisible, then there is reason to fight for it. Reason beyond this life. Or if it is a child, you know, you see reason beyond. And that's the thing, you have to see something that is of eternal. And if you don't see it, what is coming upon this nation and what is coming upon all the nations, it will not happen, it will not work. Because the, the, the world, actually the reports say, the world is going to the church, the Christians are going through through persecution like never before in history. It's like nobody is there to help them. Nobody even cares. And if you even stand up for them, the persecution becomes worse. And that's what God is talking about. Okay, What do you see? Even about Jesus, Hebrews will close in a minute. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. He saw something. Did you see? He didn't see something over here. He saw something on that other side. That was why he was able to handle the cross. You see, one night preaching is not going to change anybody's life. Okay. But if it prompts you to get into your closet, prompts you to get into your closet on your knees before God, and consistently, I'm telling you, a few days, it will change your life constantly prompts you to get into this word, it will change your life. It will change your life. That's the whole thing, that Jesus never lost sight in crowd of all that he was going through. He never lost sight of what was going to happen on the other side. Even when he's being beaten, brutalized, and the high priest questions him, he says, yeah, I see the Son of Man will come seated on the right side of the Father. He's able to see that other side. He's able to see the other side. Okay. And you have to be able to see the other side. If we don't see the other side, we will not survive. And it begins with a few decisions you have to take. And one of the decisions for older people is you choose to fast. You choose to fast. And you choose to fast not randomly. All our fasts were for our breakthroughs. Everybody fasts. The Hindu fast, the Muslim fast, the Christian fast, the Jew fast. Okay. Everybody's fast is always aimed at something you want here. But that's not the real fast God is talking about. The real fast is talking about fasting to hear Him. Fasting to know Him. That's a choice you make. And for young people, I will always say that you have to order your time. How are you going to order? If you're going to spend extra time after today, from tomorrow... If you're going to spend extra time 
God is not going to make for young people. Tomorrow onwards for all young people in school day will be 25 hours. No, it will be still 24. So within that 24 you have to make time. Within that 24 you have to make time. And in that 24 you make your choice. What will I cut out? You have only two places you can, three places you can cut out. One is games. Second is sleeping. You choose. Nobody will stop you if you put an alarm or tell Peter Anna or Sammy Anna, put the alarm, I want to wake up half an hour early. Nobody is going to stop you. The fellow who is sleeping will say, put off the alarm and you get up and go. That's all they will say. But it is a choice. It is a choice. Why I am telling you is that around the world, young people are making choices. They are making incredible younger people than you. How many of you are in above class 7? There are only uh, below class 7. You see, there's nobody below class 7 over here. And if I were to tell you the questions they asked me in those churches, class 7 and class 6 students, I was stumped. The questions they asked from the Bible. And they would sit there right in the front listening to with their notebooks. And this is not a compulsory Bible study like for most of you. They are making the choice to come. And they are sitting there and writing the questions. And the questions they ask you are stunning. Because you know, like I said, no, we don't have questions. It's because we don't listen. Jesus listened, therefore he had questions. Whereas we have no questions. If India was playing IPL, when we go out, we have a question. Who won da? That is what we want to know. That is a question that is arising. You know what? This is a very sad state of Christianity. Very sad. People have no questions. They have no questions. No. They have no questions. They have no questions because either they are not listening or they are listening but they are not interested. I'm not saying you should come and ask me questions. I'm saying that questions are birthed in you. Questions are birthed in you. Imagine a class 6 or class 7 student at the end of a pastor's conference coming and asking you, explain to me the second death. Explain to me the second death because I read in the book of Revelation a class 7 or class 6 kid just like him. No hair, all cut short and big round glasses. I still remember that boy's face. Only thing, he's fair. Okay, very fair. And the question he comes and says, Pastor, can you explain to me the second death? What is the difference between these two? The second death. And he picked it up from the book of Revelation and shows to me and says, explain to me this. Would you please explain to me? People ask questions from the book of Revelation. Jesus says, I will never blot your name from the book. And says, does it mean that it can be blotted? If it can be blotted, then is my salvation assured? These are questions even older people don't tackle. And kids are tackling. They're suddenly realizing, you know what? This book is serious. And the person, this book is very serious about it. Very, very serious about it. What I'm saying is, don't take this message, not my message, this message lightly. Because this message has come to us because tens and thousands of people chose to give their life for this message to reach to us. Then we take this message lightly. Message lightly. God says, I can't speak to you. That's what you heard two Sundays back from Brother Cyril. In these last days, God has spoken to us through his own son. And if you won't listen to the son, who will we listen to? 
the sun doesn't excite okay prophet doesn't excite us if the sun doesn't excite us who will excite us after hearing like for one hour 45 minutes if it doesn't prompt you to go back and open your bible a simple worship or to get on your knees of the lights are off you don't have to be embarrassed lights are off you get down on the side of your bunk bed or whatever bed and you say lord jesus please lord if this what pastor uncle says and pastor vijay says and auntie elsa says and cyril anna say if this is true would you please speak to me would you please speak to me i will do what i have to do uncle said three things i can do i will choose to eat less i will choose to sleep less i'll cut out all unnecessary time and i'm going to fast i'm going to read and i'm going to pray will you speak to me and i challenge you you will meet him who is invisible and it will change your life forever a challenge because everywhere we go we have to challenge people try him try him try him if he's true try him he's real i challenge you as young people challenge you try him and see if he's not true and if he's not true you have the freedom not to come to church why believe a myth why follow a god who doesn't speak why waste time in bible studies why waste time in prayer why waste time coming to church and putting everything in order we don't waste your time use it for the world that's exactly what he says the last days church either be on fire or get out why are you wasting your time go enjoy the world either i'm real or i'm not real and i'm telling you he is real he is real and i'm challenging you as young people try him and see if he's real or not try him and i'm telling you how it will change your life not just for now and not for the rest of your life forever and ever because everything connected with god is always ended up with forever and ever forever and ever amen let's pray i'm not scaring you i'm challenging you i'm scaring you also father we just come to you lord we just want to say father we love you if the cross doesn't change us nothing will if the price that you paid for our redemption doesn't move us nothing will that's why your word says if we neglect this great salvation what's the hope for us i pray father you speak to us even tonight in those times of the night when your children are sleeping if they get on their knees and say lord speak to us you speak to them whichever way you choose a dream a vision the soft voice of the holy spirit through somebody else you are a living god you speak and my prayer is that none of these young people will go through this life without meeting christ they have spent 12 years with us most of them 12 years already for many of them if not most of them they need to hear from you there is a set of young men and women will arise who know their god everything prophesied is about men and women who know god if they will do great exploits it's because they know god and i pray everyone in this room will know god 
And when affliction comes or if they are in affliction, they will be able to experience your abundant joy in the midst of affliction. Because the giver of joy himself is our portion. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Help us to make choices like Moses. We'll never experience the power, the prestige, the pleasure of Moses to give up. But whatever little we have, help us to be willing to give up and make a choice for you before this month is over, the seventh month is over. Make a choice for Christ Lord. Those who haven't yet made that choice, I pray they will make this choice in the next six days, Lord, or seven days. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Surrender this night into thy hands. Everyone who has to travel back home, reach everyone safely back home, Lord. Even as they reach home safely, let them believe it's not an accident. It's the living God who reached them home, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.